When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Blaze Radio Network. And now, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. So Google is in the middle of this court case with the European Union, and they're appealing their fine of $5 billion from the European Union for abusing its market power. The EU, of course, has accused Google of using Android success in the smartphone market to make Google the default search engine. But Google said, "Mm, you know what, Um, we've submitted evidence showing that the most common search query on Bing, another search engine, by the way, is Google. (laughs) So people use Google because they choose to, not because they're forced to. Now, it doesn't say it in the story, but I believe that the number two search query is chewing the fat that's right this show they don't mention it in the court case i'm sure it just there's no reason to mention it because of their argument and so their argument is is that even though people use bing they're searching for google but even those people on bing and google are searching for chewing the fat duh now of course the case that the european union is making yeah uh you made a deal with the android manufacturers to pre-install google and to pre-install the Chrome web browser. So you paid someone to make it the only pre-installed app, meaning only 1% of the people downloaded a different search app. It almost seems like that was a better business deal than Bing had. But of course, I don't know. And, you know, Google is just abusing its market power. I just wish someone in the court would have recognized the number two searched query, which was chewing the fat. Welcome. Welcome to the number two searched query. Chewing the fat. have some tremendous stories to share with you today, plus my review of Many Saints of Newark, which I watched over the weekend. But first, let me tell you a little bit about uprising food. You know that the food system is fundamentally broken and it's making us sick at scale. The people at Uprising Food are fixing that. Uh, I just received my sampler bundle product. And one of the things that comes in the sampler is the savory rye chips, uh, two carbs, two net carbs. It's uh, MCT oil boosted, paleo friendly, keto friendly. And it is, I could eat these things and I, and I don't want to eat them on the air because they're crunchy and tasty and good. And I just continue to eat the entire bag instead of talking to you. It all comes down to taste. And healthy foods are littered with broken promises. Uprising has nailed the taste factor on both their sourdough-esque cubes, 
uh, and the crunch factor on their newly launched Freedom Chips. They taste these taste like the old school rye chips that you dig for. I love these things. Uh, you get four packs of those Freedom Chips in the starter bundle. By the way, they also have cracked the code on healthy bread. You simply can't find something like this healthy that tastes this good. That's this fresh. Two nets carbs per serving, six grams of protein, nine grams of fiber. Uprising's mission is to liberate all of us from a fundamentally broken food system that's stealing our health. They cover paleo to clean keto to simple low carb to high fiber to dairy free grain lifestyle. Uh, all Uprising products are baked with real superfood ingredients almonds, MCT oil, apple cider vinegar, egg white, psyllium husk, and olive oil. Uprising has made prebiotic fiber delicious with their patent-pending breakthrough in psyllium husk activation, making fantastic digestive health absurdly easy for us all. Uprising is offering my listeners $10 off the starter bundle that includes two superfood cubes and four packs of the Freedom Chips to try, as I mentioned earlier. Go to uprisingfood.com slash Jeffy, and the discount will be automatically applied at checkout. Uprisingfood.com slash Jeffy. You get the $10 off of your first purchase of the starter bundle, and you'll find out just how delicious these products really are. Uprisingfood.com slash Jeffy. Okay, so there's this guy in Glendale, Arizona, who was in a storm drain, trapped for several days. What the heck is going on around America? We are getting more and more stories of people being trapped in storm drains. Remember, we had a couple of stories out of Florida. Uh, The one lady that uh, went swimming and then went into a drain and then started wandering around and got lost for a couple of days. We had the one lady in Florida who was found, (laughs) found in the... The storm drain tied up with her legs and feet taped together. She'd been down there uh, screaming. She wouldn't even help the police. There was no information on why she was down there to begin with. Now, this guy uh, was found in the storm drain after several days. He was heard by a bystander you know, yelling, and he was unable to get out, so they called the fire department, and they, I guess, rescued him by putting a ladder down there and pulled himself out. And uh, according to the officials, the guy, once he came out of the drain, said, yeah, I had a bad day. And I crawled down a drain and started walking around underground. I just couldn't figure out how to get out. (laughs) So the spokesperson for the Glendale Fire Department said, well, you know, it's not something we see every day. But, uh, you know, some of those uh, sections of the storm drains are particularly dangerous because they have low oxygen levels. You think Uh, maybe this guy had low oxygen levels prior to going into the drain? I don't know. But if you're ever having a bad day like this guy, uh, perhaps you think to yourself, you know, I know I'm having a bad day, but maybe I don't go down into the storm drain just to wander around and get away from everybody I just a thought on my part, just a thought. I'm not sure what the thinking is around America that going down into the storm drain is something that's good, but I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, no, uh, do not do that. But again, that's just me. 
I'm not anti-storm drain. I just don't think that's a good place for you to go if you've had a bad day. There was no mention. I don't know if he thought maybe someone in his family was trying to kill him. I mean, we just had the story here in Dallas not long ago about a guy who was gunned down in front of his wife as they went for a walk in their neighborhood. And the wife went on the news begging for help. I just hope that at some point, maybe this person can recognize the gravity of what they've done and feel some sort of guilt enough to come forward. Uh Uh-huh. She was walking with her husband. They were out walking their dog. Suddenly, a man appeared out of nowhere, fatally shot the husband seven times. Three times in the head, three times in the torso, and one time in the groin. Then fled the scene in his black Nissan Titan pickup, which had the distinctive Texas Rangers T logo sticker on the back of it. This took place a year ago, uh, last October. And uh, she... You heard her pleading on the news, and now we find out she orchestrated the whole of the whole thing to uh, murder her husband and manipulated her secret lover to do the job. Incredible! So they have they have all kinds of evidence with her texting as a third party with different email addresses to this guy. Somebody else set up a GoFundMe that uh, she's withdrawn money to send to him through a third party pay. She withdrew money to pay a credit card bill that she had given him the credit card to use. So it's really an amazing thing. She had 118,000, I think, that she transferred from the GoFundMe at one point. She transferred another 58,000 from the fund to pay off the credit card bills, which she had given to him. She tried to get the life insurance money, Uh, She started going after that in November, about a month after the husband died. And the life insurance company said, ooh, we're going to wait on that because um, they believe law enforcement uh, said that uh, she may be involved in the case. They're just checking it out. She's still a a person of interest. Uh Uh-huh. No kidding. She's definitely a person of interest. So I don't know if the guy at the storm drain thought somebody was after him like this guy, but she must have not liked her husband at all. Uh, I don't know why you don't get a divorce, why you don't just leave. Not real sure what uh, the problem was, why you needed to have the boyfriend or the lover that, I mean, do you believe that he's a lover for any other reason than to be manipulated into killing hubby? I don't know. Uh, doubtful. But I'd be ready for the uh, made-for-TV movie on this, man. Because, uh, I mean, the script has already written itself. All we need to know now is a little bit of the backstory of why she hated her husband. If there was a, you know, actual good reason for that. Or she's just uh, out of her mind. So that story is real. I read this story and I'm thinking, I question. I question whether it's real or not. I know that's strange coming from me. I get you. If you've listened to this show before, you know I have an issue with the number of stories. So this story talks about a sword-wielding man dressed as a ninja attacking several special operations soldiers who were training at a California airport. And I 
think, okay, so special ops soldiers were attacked by a ninja. Apparently, um, the, it was shared on Instagram and Reddit as what appears to be a military incident report, which makes me doubt that it's actually true, but we'll see if it's actually true, I guess, in the future. So the soldiers' names, of course, were redacted in the photo shared on social media, but one was identified as a staff sergeant and the other as a captain, and the details suggest that they are members of the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment, an elite helicopter unit known as the Night Stalkers. So according to the story, the staff sergeant was sitting outside the administration building at the airport hangar smoking a cigarette when he was approached by an unknown person wearing full ninja garb. Okay. It's unclear from the records whether the man was an actual practitioner of nujitsu. <laughs> Apparently, according to the story, do you know who I am? The ninja asked, to which the soldier said, no. Do you know where my family is? The staff sergeant again, no. The person in ninja garb began to slash at the soldier, striking his phone and his knee and leg. The staff sergeant took off running across the parking lot to escape the attacker. And then he jumped a fence and entered the administrative building where he and the captain locked doors and called 911. Meanwhile, the man dressed as a ninja was kicking and punching doors and windows before leaving to grab a large block of asphalt, which he heaved through the window to the administration building. The captain, struck by a chunk of asphalt. Really? Yeah. The first assistant call was recorded at 1.20 a.m. by the Ridgecrest Police Department log. A man with a sword was in a parking lot and there was at least one victim. About 30 minutes later came a second call. 26 special operation military members doing training at the airport, hunkered down in a hangar, wondering where help is. The ninja fled and was arrested elsewhere. Oh, okay. That's good. I guess it's easy to spot a ninja walking around. So I guess uh, the regiment did not immediately respond to a query. I find a couple of things in this story that question its validity. One, we have a special ops soldier, two of them, one in particular at the beginning, is going to run away from a ninja. No, thank you. I don't believe it. I don't I don't believe he's going to run away. I believe he's going to stand his ground and fight, even though the ninja was slashing at the soldier, striking his phone and his knee. And then he ran with a bad knee and jumped a fence and went into the administrative building and then had a captain lock doors with him, scared and hiding, quivering in a corner while the ninja was kicking and punching doors. And then the ninja throws a large block of asphalt, which I guess you just pick up off the tarmac of the airport and toss it into the window, which hit the captain in the head and gave him a mark. Okay, no way. There's no, <laughs> there is no way that that story is real. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I like the story. I like the idea of a ninja attacking people in a dark parking lot at an airport with the military, but it's not real. There's no way. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something to drink desperately. <laughs> oh. Oh, so good. 
All right, it was a busy weekend of viewing for me. We had uh, wrapped up Goliath on Amazon Prime. Uh, really enjoyed it, season four. It was pretty predictable the way it ended, although I, you know, I expected a little bit better of an ending, but I don't know how else you would end it because it was the last season and they wanted everything to you know be tied up and be the end. I get it. Is there going to be a season five? Very doubtful. Uh, Billy Bob said, uh, no. Uh, we always, uh, the deal was always four seasons, and that's going to be it for him. It's time for him to move on. But the other characters are all talking about spinoffs and doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised to see some spinoff shows from Goliath for Amazon or some other networks, but in particular Amazon. There's some really great characters that uh, would be fun to see as spinoff shows if they could make it worthwhile. Billy Bob, you know, it's enjoyable to see him as the head guy, right? All these characters are great side characters, but he's the main guy. I don't know that they could pull off someone else being the main guy. I see where uh, No Time to Die set a record for $113 million opening. International box office. Hasn't even opened here in the States, right? I mean, it opened, uh, and, it, and it opened almost everywhere except the U.S. and China. Two huge markets. And it's already made $113 million, so be prepared. Uh, it opens on China, in China on the 29th of this month. And it opens in the U.S., I think, next week. So it's going to be a monster movie by the time it even hits China to get that money. So, okay. Because Venom here in the U.S. was number one. It was at $90 million domestically over the weekend. So it was the best box office haul since COVID-19. And uh, the previous record holder was Black Widow after snaring $80 million. In its July debut, and I see where Disney, uh, the head said, the head of Disney, Bob Chappick, uh, said that, uh, oh yeah, they, uh, the, the talent deals are undergoing a reset after the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. Yeah, no kidding there, Bob. Uh, I know you just settled with Scarlett. The reports were that she wanted, I think, 50 million at least in the deal between uh disney and the release of black widow going to the streaming service but uh it was reported that she didn't get everything she asked for so she got 20 million the original payment for the movie and the deal with disney is reported to be 40 million that'd be tough to take <laughs> she's pissed though. I mean, she's going to risk, she's really struggling because, you know, it's not the 50 or 60 that she really was, was asking for. Uh, in fact, one report even said she was asking for another 80 million. Okay. But, uh, it's been reported now that she got 40 million. Wow. Just incredible amounts of money. That is for sure. So then we had, uh, and then I watched, um, uh, News of the World with Tom Hanks is uh, on Amazon, and I've been I've had that in my, you know, in my to watch list, and that's the movie that he filmed in Australia, and he and the wife got COVID right early on in the in the pandemic, and he was one of the first big people to get COVID, and that was you know in Australia, and they were filming this movie, and so it's supposed to be in Texas. 
uh, in the 1870s. And really, it was really so much better than I had thought it was going to be. Uh, of course, it's Tom Hanks. I know it's Tom Hanks. You think it's Tom. You can do anything. That's like sawed wood to him. It really, really was like sawed wood to him. And the girl that's in the movie with him, Helena Zengel, born in Berlin, Germany in 2008, I'm sure is going to be a huge star. And then first and foremost, this weekend was Many Saints of Newark. I I loved it. I mean, it brought back all the Soprano memories and it was fun to relive the Sopranos in my head. It was fun to see the beginnings of all these characters where you go, oh yeah, that was his wife. And oh yeah, that's that's Big Pussy. And oh yeah, that's uh, what's his face, Polly. And it was, it was just a really nice to see all that. Now, before the movie started, I wanted uh, to... My son had not watched any of The Sopranos. And Maximus, who does uh, Talking Walking Dead with us. And he's not watched any of The Sopranos just because. And uh, so I wanted him to, you know, we talked a little bit about the theme. And it was, I remember, I remember when The Sopranos first started and how that song was, you know, nobody knew the band. And it was the original CD I had with the song on it was from A3. And now they're known as Alabama three or whatever. And that's, you know, that song made them right. I mean, the soprano theme. And so it was awesome to hear that. And I wanted him to, you know, see the, we watched the theme and I said, that's the song I told was telling the story about a three and the sopranos theme. And then I thought, you know, there's no way that, uh, how are we going to get around doing that? Cause that was the beginning of the sopranos. And he's like, well, that's, Okay, this is going to be a, a, there will be, there will be, and I, I hate doing this, but I'm doing this because of the goodness of my heart, okay? There will be some spoilers, okay? So I, you know, he figures, Max goes, well, that's how they're going to end it then. They're just going to end it going into the theme. And I thought, yep, that's how, how they're going to do it. And yep, that's what they did, which was awesome, by the way. But um, it was really fascinating the guy playing uh, Dickie Moltisante was awesome. Alessandro Nevola, who was great. Uh, Michael Gandolfini, of course, as Tony Soprano, as the young Tony, was great. It was good to see, you know, that character in the beginning. And obviously, you know, so much like James. And uh, Ray Le- Leota was in it, of course. I mean, he was awesome. Played, uh, you know, a really interesting character. There were some great characters in the movie. Some of the movie I thought was, I don't know how to put it. It just made me think, oh, you didn't need that. Uh, or I would have wished that they went a little bit deeper with uh, one of these characters. I don't I don't know where. I, I'm going to go back and watch it again because it was worth another watch. No question. I just, I had other things to do, okay? So I didn't get to a second sh- a second viewing, all right? But I'll get on it. And uh, it was just an interesting uh, look at, uh, at it. I wish, I think, it, I don't think it needed to be a movie. Okay, so they're, now they're arguing that it only made like $5 million at the box office. But it was released on HBO Max is where everybody's, I mean, that's where a lot of people watch it. So, you know, HBO will have their numbers go through. It'll be, you know, probably one of their highest viewed movies. And we'll see how many subscribers they get from it. I wish it would have been a series. I think it would have done better as a series. 
even just HBO doing another series as, uh, you know, the many saints of Newark, but the prequel to the Sopranos and just let Michael do it. And maybe they'll even do that now. You know, I think that would be, I think that would be great if they start the many saints of Newark series on HBO and it, that series begins where the movie left off as so that we watch young Tony grow into uh, Tony Soprano, the, the made man. Uh, that would be an awesome series. That would be fun. And I would, man, be a part of that would be awesome. And look for that because I think that's going to that's gonna happen. But what do I know? Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. A three-hour tour. I cannot get that song out of my head. Of course, that's the theme for Gilligan's Island. But there's a story talking about the five passengers on the first cruise out of New York City since the COVID-19 pandemic tested positive for COVID-19. So the passengers were aboard the Crystal Symphony en route to Bermuda when their PCR test came back positive. The COVID positive were transferred to quarantine hotels on Bermuda. The passengers in the ship were then subjected to quarantine and retesting on the ship. So it's a 781-foot vessel, a little bit bigger than... (laughs) Gilligan's boat and the vessel can carry 848 passengers. So the company didn't say how many were on board. Doubtful. There were 848 passengers, but it's possible. And only five of them tested positive. It doesn't say whether they had any symptoms or not. Everyone were required to be vaccinated on board the cruise ship. It returned to New York on Friday and then turned around for another trip to Bermuda. So fares on the October 8th voyage start at $2,099. So, man, that's a fair price. Just a zip on a ship, a COVID ship to Bermuda and back. (laughs) Oh, I know. It's not a COVID ship. Shut up. But, I mean, that's every if if we're going to get reports... Of every cruise that has a passenger test positive, and then they have to lock down the entire ship, it's going to get just a little bit annoying. And then I will continue to have Gilligan's Island theme stuck in my head, especially if the headlines talk about five passengers set sail that day for a three-hour tour. Just stupid. Pharmaceutical giant. Merck released data, trial data over the weekend, showing its antiviral pill reduced COVID-19 hospitalizations by roughly 50%. 
a result that health experts framed as a breakthrough. Merck is expected to seek emergency youth authorization for the drug as soon as possible. Huh. Unlike vaccines, the medication is meant to be taken orally early after a patient has already contracted the illness and the treatment did not prevent death at the same rate as vaccines. In trials, 7.3% of the people who took the medication died from COVID-19 related issues compared to about 14% in the control group. Um, that sounds an awful lot like ivermectin, but again, I'm not the pharmaceutical giant Merck. I'm just a low life individual who has seen the success of ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for that matter. And, but we're supposed to think that that is all, you know, bull crap because it's just, it's been around forever and it's, it's. The ivermectin is, you know, horse paste, but it's okay now that a pharmaceutical giant Merck has come up with a breakthrough medication to be taken immediately after you realize that you have contracted COVID-19. Just coincidence, I'm sure. Really doesn't have anything to, really doesn't have anything to do with, <laughs> with ivermectin. <laughs> Don't be stupid. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And uh, in a first ever, uh, believed to be a world first, by the way, a 77-year-old man with a mild case of COVID-19 has now been diagnosed with restless anal syndrome. You can go ahead and write your own jokes. I know I have. So a COVID patient who was hospital, and this is serious business, okay? So quit your joking around. A COVID patient who was hospitalized with a relatively mild form of the illness went on to develop this, what they're calling a horrifying condition. The case happened in Japan. Now, apparently the 77-year-old man uh, responded well to treatment and was discharged after several weeks. Wow but soon developed alarming symptoms. He began to experience deep anal discomfort. <laughs> the essential urge to move. His discomfort was eased by exercise, such as walking, running, or playing video games that required motion, while sitting still aggravated his symptoms, which also worsened in the evening. Wow, sundowning effect to anal Restless anal syndrome, that's not good. So he underwent a colonoscopy, which revealed internal hemorrhoids uh, without other rectal lesions. All other tests revealed no abnormalities, and the man had no family history of restless legs syndrome. So I'm guessing they were thinking that if you have RLS, you may have RAS. But since he's the world first, we don't know. We just don't know. So apparently he's treated with uh, a drug called... Clonazepam. I'm sorry, what? Clonazepam. Which apparently has relieved his discomfort. So there is emerging evidence that COVID-19 can have a neural spread, which can result in restless legs syndrome, and now we know RAS. 
uh, which, you know, restless anal syndrome is a variant of restless leg syndrome, or is restless leg syndrome a variant of restless anal syndrome? And nobody really wanted to talk about RAS before, but RLS was okay. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I just know that this man is the first, and he's the first who has actually, you know, talked about it. So that makes him the first, right? The report also listed other possible but little known side effects of COVID-19. But uh, we're, you know, those are not true. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, uh, heaven forbid that any of these other little known side effects are actually true. Just get the vaccine. And shut your mouth. I think we've covered that on this show before. Okay. So there was no mention of whether the 77-year-old man had the vaccine or not. I'm guessing he probably did. But it doesn't say that he did. It just said that he tested positive, uh, discharged after several weeks, and then came down with R.A.S., and so it doesn't doesn't say whether he was vaccinated. I bet now that I'm reading this story, since it doesn't make a big deal about him being vaccinated, I bet you he wasn't. He was one of those nasty, unvaccinated people. <laughs> Man, so just shut your mouth and get the vaccine. I know that we've covered that before on this podcast. <laughs> Born on March 22nd, 1930. He is 91 years of age. Pat Robertson. No, he's not dead. He just stepped down. (laughs) He's 91. He stepped down on Friday from the 700 Club. He's not going to do it anymore. He said the son, Gordon, is going to take over the weekday show starting Monday. And Gordon isn't, you know, Gordon is an, an adult male who's in his 60s now. So he's been like the executive director of the show and he's been running everything. So I'm sure Pat just kind of comes in for the 700 Club and, you know, wanders in, sits down, does what he does, and then moves on. Pat has done this 700 Club since 1966. Incredible. Incredible. He started the network in 1961. So, I mean, it now extends to more than 100 countries and territories, dozens of language through TV and video evangelism, uh, online ministry, prayer centers, and the 700 Club talk show can be seen in the vast majority of U.S. television markets. So, I mean, Pat Robertson is the guy, right? He's the man. Sure, he's had a few predictions go wrong. Sure, the last big one was he said President Trump would win the 2020 election. Now, he said that Trump would win, and then after that, nothing short of end times would happen. So, I mean, maybe he got the whole Trump-Biden thing wrong, but he got the end times things right. I don't know. I don't know. I just know that he said Trump would win, and then after Trump won, 
there would be, you know, bad times. And I believe he used the word, the words end times, but you know, whatever. So I just know that he's not dead. He's 91 and he's stepping down from the daily 700 club on the Christian broadcasting network. So he had a great run. (laughs) There's no doubt about that, man. He had a great run. He ran for president in 1988. Hell, he's interviewed presidents. Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, Donald Trump. He's got a law degree from Yale. His father was a U.S. senator, was a power broker from Virginia forever. Uh, And he founded the Christian Coalition, which brought American evangelicals into the political force, man. He's the guy. So at 91, he's hanging up his everyday talk show host duties and handing it over to his son, Gordy, who's 63, another Yale-educated former real estate lawyer who is uh, chief executive of CBN and has served as executive producer, as I said, of the 700 Club for the last 20 years. He's uh, been a co-host for a number of those years. He's also been hosting a show called 700 Club Interactive. He said that viewers should expect little to change about the show, which airs live from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. weekdays. And he, you know, dad, Pat said, Hey, uh, I'll be back. Uh, you know, every once in a while I could come around if, you know, I get a vision and I need to say something, then I'll be back. I would venture to say, good luck with that. Uh, he's going to have to go through Gordy and he's going to call up Gordy. Gordy's not going to take the call. And then, so Pat will come back maybe around Christmas or so. And he's just going to say, dad, write it down. Take some notes and, uh, you know, I'll, you know what? I'll tell the audience for you, dad, no problem. Because, uh, I know you're, you're tired and you know, you got nothing to do. So just hang out, you know, no need to get out of your pajamas and it'll all be good. Okay. All right. Love you. Bye. Click. Did you see where Grimes, uh, you know, Elon's ex was seen, um, Well, the headline, I'll read you the headline. In case you were wondering whether or not Elon Musk's ex was holding up well after their split, she appears to be doing just fine. That is, if walking around L.A. dressed like some type of Star Wars extra while flipping through the pages of Marx's Communist Manifesto is doing just fine. (laughs) So, I mean, the world was on fire this weekend because Grimes was out, you know, reading Karl Marx on the street. Well, apparently, um, she did it on purpose and just to a troll and mess with the paparazzi. They were all following her around, going crazy. She had a shoot announced. So she did this on purpose. She said, what could I do to bring down the house? And she decided that I could walk around L.A. reading the Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx and people would lose their minds. And she was right. <laughs> Plus, uh, I don't know, that outfit she was wearing, uh, she looked uh, she looked pretty good. And uh, Elon May, you know, well, you know what they say. I mean, I know she's good looking. And, you know, she's the mother of his child, of one of his children. But uh, you know what they say. You... Yeah, you know what they say.
if you don't know what they say, email me at chewingthefat at theblaze.com and I'll be happy to respond privately what they say. I'm not going to tell you here because you should already know it. But if you don't, you can email me to in the fat at the blaze.com and I will be happy to tell you, you know, what they say. Cause you are, you should know already what they say, but maybe you don't. So it's fat bear week still ongoing. And I was reading a story about the Katmai national park and, uh, preserves Brooks river. And remember three years ago, when the cams that they have set up because they've been they have cams everywhere and you're able to watch the the bears uh get fat for winter and that's part of fat bear week who are the fattest bears but uh there were three men who waded into the water caught on the live stream to take pictures of the brown bears now is it is that dumb yes do i feel bad for them if the bears attack them no But according to the U.S. attorney for the District of Alaska, they created a hazardous condition for the bears. Okay. Uh, The three currently face misdemeanor charges for entering a closed area, disorderly conduct that created hazardous conditions, and approaching within 50 yards of a large mammal at the National Park. If the three are convicted, each faces a maximum of six months in prison, a $5,000 fine, and a year of promote of probation. Wow. That is pretty steep. But, you know, I guess, look, you shouldn't do it. Should Especially, I watched the video. You see the guy get in the water, and he's getting close to the bears. You know, he left the platform. Bring a better camera, dude. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Just bring a better camera. What do you say? What do you say? Maybe we bring a better camera? Okay. So here we go at the end of uh, Fat Bear Week. When you look at the brackets, you can see uh, what's happening. We have uh, 480 Otis going up against 812 for uh, today on Fat Bear Week. And you've been following me on uh, Jeff Fisher Radio, my Facebook page. You, I've been tweeting you the voting for fat bear week uh, all week and uh we're going to go up to 151 walker for the championship tomorrow uh tomorrow we'll go up and i'll let you know who i think should win uh 151 walker uh is pretty strong is a pretty pretty strong character but uh 480 otis is uh pretty pretty big as well 480 otis should actually be the one going up against uh, 151 Walker. No question about it. But who will win between those two? Well, you know, I'll let you know tomorrow. But uh, it's looking, I mean, when you look at these pictures from the beginning of July 26th, 2021 to September 16th, holy cow, 480 Otis has grown immensely. 812 has grown immensely too, but doesn't look, like uh it grew as much as 480 i mean 480 looks like it's ready to wither and die in july and september 16th it's looking like he just needs a place to lay down and (laughs) take a long nap okay that's all i need i just want a long nap and as long as we're talking about parks 
obviously Katmai National Park, but how about the <clears throat> the state park? You know, the state park in Arkansas, the hot springs crater of diamonds state park that I've talked about a number of times on this show and others. Uh, a California couple has found a 4.38 carat yellow diamond sitting on top of the ground after nearly an hour of searching. Isn't it funny how it was just sitting on top of the ground? Huh? Huh? So the couple arrived uh, Thursday, September 23rd, and uh, they'd been visiting national parks uh, all over the country. And they, they said, hey, oh my gosh, look, we're close to a crater of Diamond State Park. Let's go over and take a look, shall we? So they went there and the husband said, hey, let's venture out in the middle of the field. Like that's never been said before by anyone that's been there. And 40 minutes later, oh, look, look, she's just walking along a pathway and spots the diamond on the ground. It's almost as if it was just thrown out there by someone. Isn't it? It's almost like that. <laughs> it's the size of a jelly bean and a, a pear shape and a lemonade yellow color. The couple named the diamond Lucy's Diamond after her husband's kitten. Ugh. Now, you would think that it was named Lucy's Diamond after Lucy in the sky with diamonds. I, I didn't think that. I would think that it was after her husband's kitty. And she doesn't know, Noreen doesn't know what she's going to do with the diamond just yet. And it's the largest diamond found so far this year. And and my gosh, good, 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 good. I mean, they've found a 2.2 carat diamond at the Arkansas State Park is going to build it for Remember, we've talked about him finding it for the engagement ring. And then uh, we had the man find the third largest diamond of the year. And, and uh, then they had the man that found the nine carat diamond. That was last year, though. That wasn't this year. So he found that's Kevin Kennard. That's right. He went there and found the second largest diamond ever to be found there. And uh, he just. And this is the same thing happened to him. He got he was sifting through the dirt and he got bored and he just started walking up and down the plowed rows and he just looked and oh my gosh, there it was. I couldn't believe that it was just there. It was on the top of the ground and wow. It was just I couldn't believe it. it was it was almost he doesn't say this, I'm just saying this. It was almost as if someone just threw it out there. And knowing that someone would come along and just find it. You know, it's not it's not like there's still diamonds at the state park, but it's almost like someone is just seeding the ground so that people continue to go back to this diamond park and spend money to get in the park and look for diamonds. It's almost as if that that happens. I'm not saying it does happen. I'm saying the park is still full of diamonds. And my gosh, wouldn't don't you want to go there and Spend a day hunched over, sifting through dirt, looking for diamonds that you probably are never going to find. Unless you happen to be there on a day when, you know, the boss decides it's going to be a day that somebody needs to find a diamond and walks around and tosses it out in the dirt and knows that there's one out there. And it's pretty sure somebody's going to find it that day. But I'm sure it never happens like that. So, you know, that would be dump
stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.